this morning, I want to talk to you about money. So uh, you always hear, you know, church is always talking about money. And uh, I, it, I'm not going to take up an offering. I'm not going to receive an offering. It's not an offering time. We're not doing a heart for the house or provision for the vision. I'll tell you why I'm preaching this message. Is that a week and a half ago, I got a phone call and it was from my insurance company. And uh, we have home and contents insurance, like is a wise thing to have. And uh, normally we pay $780. And I thought, you know, that, that's reasonable. It's not bad. I'm sure there's someone cheaper. I'm sure there's someone more expensive, right? But, and uh, he rang out and said, look, there's going to be an increase in your premium. And I thought, okay, that, that, that's fair enough. Things like that seem to go up all the time anyway. But then he told me that it was increasing from $780 to $2,100. And I had a heart attack, right? And I, I just, I was like, that's 200%. How can you increase it by 200%? And he tells me all these things and, and all these, and I'm just going, like, I, I'm not mad with you because you're just doing your job. I actually feel sorry for you, right? I was actually nice to the guy on the phone, but I was just freaking out. And I go, I'm just going to try some other company, right? And he just said, well, all the insurance companies have put up their home and contents insurance. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm like, so I looked and literally the cheapest I could get was $1,800. So it's still over, you know, like a 150% increase. And I'm just freaking out. And all of you are freaking out right now too, right? So I started to think maybe it's a time thing, you know, 1st of January. So I thought I'm going to just can my other policies, get a new one now. No, it wasn't working. wasn't any way I can get out of it. So, I, like, it's collusion. It's not happy. It's not very good. I actually, I, my daughter would say, I've proved you 60 because I wrote a letter to the ACCC, right? And, 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 to, the, and to Peter Dutton, my uh, federal member, saying, forget about energy prices. What about insurance prices, right? But then energy's gone up. Petrol's gone up. When you're going to buy things, everything has gone up. So this message actually comes out of that, not because... I need you to give more. To be honest, this has been financially the strongest year for a merged church ever in its history. We've been blessed. God has done so many good things. We've given more away in missions than ever before. It's just, it's wonderful. So it's not that we need your money. That's what I'm not talking about. Today, I want to talk about the philosophy of money. So what I want to do to keep you interested, Bailey, come here. I'm going to give you a $100 note. And I'm going to ask you to just, while I'm preaching today, I just want you to pass along do that and then come back around and we'll see where we go. Mitch, come here. Same thing on this side. All right. I'll be watching and see if anyone puts it in their pocket. We've got cameras. Right? Neil, right? <laughs> so I just, it's just an object lesson. It's real. Right? <laughs> Scotsman. Right? But, uh, uh, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about money. And so today I'm not really talking about we need an offering, please give, why I should give, all those other things. Today, I actually want to have a look at a biblical philosophy when it comes to money. Because it's in all of our minds. It's something that is in all of our hearts at different times. And I promise you, there's not one person here, you know, like who's not a kid, right? Right? Who hasn't spent a night wondering about money and what's going to happen and, and those type of things. So let me just pray. Father, I ask that what you have to say about these things would come across today, O oh Lord. 
Father, Lord, let it not be seen as like a money grab or, or, or a, a something to receive, O oh Lord. Father, let it be something that teaches, O oh God. Father, that ultimately, Father, puts ourselves at peace, O oh Lord. Father, for we know that You are in charge of our lives, O oh God. And that, Father, You are able to, to undertake on our behalf in this area. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, money is a truly an amazing thing and it can have such a hold on us. Jesus said it like this. I'm going to read a very confronting scripture because Jesus wasn't actually scared to speak about money. He understood the hold that it had on people's hearts. So Luke 16, and we're going to have a look at a lot of scripture today because I want you to see that the Bible is pretty clear about it all. So, and I'm going to start off with the toughest one of all, right? Luke 16, verse 11. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, money, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you really want the riches of heaven, then you actually have to have a proper attitude towards money. You actually need to do that. It's a very provocative statement. Jesus is making a direct correlation between the natural and the spiritual, and He's using money to do it. If you're not righteous with money, then God can't trust you with spiritual things. And your dealings with God will always be around the temporal and not so much the, 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 the eternal. And what is the true riches of heaven? People. God's not going to trust you with money if He can't, or with people if He can't trust you with money. So now money of itself is nothing. You got the $100 bill. And I'll tell you what, you know that $100 bill, it can pay for drugs or it can go towards you paying school fees. It can pay for a prostitute or it can sponsor a child out of prostitution. It can help build a church or it can fund a high court challenge to school chaplaincy. You know, this $100 can be given away to help others or it can be stored up and never used for anything of goodness. So money itself is not the issue. It's our attitude and our response towards it. The Bible says some pretty amazing things around money. It says the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. That's a pretty encompassing statement. The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, the atheists and Christian opponents will love to tell you how many wars religion has started. But you can look at all of those wars and you will see that money is always really behind those things. If you look closer, you'll find it's about money and the power that money brings or it's about power and that the, the money that power brings. See, the Bible says because, also says because of the love of money, many people have walked away from God. They've heard the call of following God, but their love of money draws them away and they miss out on God's perfect plan. And the Bible actually says they bring troubles upon themselves. So you may have a lot of things, but there's troubles that come with it. The Bible says that where our money is, is also where our heart is. What do you spend your money on? Right, every year we get a credit card statement. And I can tell you, I eat a lot and I play some golf. And immersed church is there a bit as well. Right, see the Bible says, that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. 
So what it's actually saying, because the eye of the needle was a gate in Jerusalem. It was the after hours gate. When everything else was kind of like shut down, the after hours gate was open. But to get through, you had to take everything off. Because I want to say, naked we come into this world and naked we will leave the world. Nothing that you get on this world is going to matter a hill of beans to God, so to speak. But money is a big deal to God. So this morning I want to give you five foundational principles. And when you understand these five foundational principles, I promise you it will help you have a much healthier attitude, but also an attitude that is much easier to find yourself trusting God. So number one, know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. So Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. I reckon that's a great word right there to Western society. Because many of us, as the Bible says, we we are driven to success by the envy of our neighbour. And I actually think that that's the whole drive of commercialism. I needed this. I need that. We actually maybe don't. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is why I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? See, we use this verse a lot, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. If someone goes through a time when it's difficult, if someone goes through a time where they feel abandoned, they go through a time where they feel that God isn't listening, that their prayers aren't achieving much, we'll say that God will never leave you nor forsake you. But in the context of the Scripture, where it's written of the Scripture, it's talking about money. It's talking about that time when you feel, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to have that thing that I very much need? And we spend those times working it out and doing those things. And God says, don't worry about those things. Have a confidence that says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that the Lord is my helper. You know what I love about that? That says in whatever financial thing that I'm going through right now, I'm not doing it by myself. God is my helper. He's there to help. What that means, if I was trying to lift up one of these speakers and I said, Neil, can you come and help me? I may not be able to do it by myself, but with Neil, I can. When you say God is my helper, you say, I don't know if I can get through this by myself, but with God, you can because He is your helper and He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is going to look after you. I can promise you that you will get to the edge of a cliff sometimes financially, but you never fall off. God is always with you and you can have confidence it's going to be true. Number two is lay up eternal treasure. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. God's not upset if you enjoy the things that you have. God's not sitting there saying, you need to be in misery and that's how that is godliness. God gives us enough for our enjoyment. So don't ever feel bad about enjoying those things. But it says this, command them to do good, 
to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. And one of the verses of the Bible I love so much and says, so that they may take hold of the life which is truly life. Real life comes when we trust God, when we see that God is our source and we use what it is that is given to us to be generous and kind for one another. That's when true life happens. It's not about having the latest car or the latest thing or whatever it is, the bigger, better, whatever. It's actually true life comes when we're able to use what God has given for us enjoyment to actually help and be generous. And it says you're laying up a treasure, not on this earth, but in heaven. And I want to say the Bible tells us that moth won't eat it in heaven. It's not uncertain in heaven. There's not any risky schemes. We're not relying on the world's financial system in heaven. Heaven's financial system is forever. It's eternal and it will always keep you right because I want to lay out my treasure not here on this earth. I actually want to lay out my treasure in heaven. And the Bible here tells me actually commands me to speak about money. It says, we are rich in this world. I want to say, if you live in Australia, you are rich in this world. You are rich in this world. And so we need to let our riches do our good work. It's, 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 it's we're not to trust our hope in riches, but let our riches do our good work, do good deeds. We need to share our richness. You know, last week, you know, we uh, asked you in the Christmas production to bring gifts. And like this whole area was just stacked with gifts. But it wasn't this poultry, you know, that's nice, five of you did that, thank you very much. Right, like it was stacked. This year I think we sent out over 300 uh Christmas boxes, you know, as part of our missions. This, we have done so many things over this year. And I, and I love that. And I love the fact that as a church, we've been generous. You know, that, that, that we've been able to help people, that we've been able to be generous. And it's because you're generous. You know, our giving in missions has been fantastic. That's why if you feel that this message is to try and get some money for the church, it's just not because we're actually doing really good, as I said before. But we want to use it to help people. You know, as a staff, we got all of those gifts and we prayed for them. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to use those gifts. You know, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God was able to move into a handkerchief and then uh, put the handkerchief on someone and someone will be healed. The Spirit of God can move into the inanimate object. And I'm believing that every one of those gifts is going to bring the Spirit of Christ into those homes, many of whom have no idea of the Spirit of Christ. And that's because you gave. And Jacinta and I were the ones that were receiving it and just putting it on, you know, bring some order. Let me tell you, this thankfulness was just in my spirit. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the thing is, it wasn't just, you went to the time to wrap it. You went to the time to make it special. You just say, oh, here's a ball. You know, here's a train. Here's a whatever. Right? No, you took the time to wrap it and make it special. And some kid on Christmas Day, is going to have a smile on their face because of your generosity. I love that. We are rich in this world. And really, did one gift really, you know, 
make your Christmas horrible. No, it's made it much better. It exhorts us once again to put our hope in God, not in our riches. You know, we're one financial disaster away. Our hope needs to be in God, not our finances. I'll tell you a story a little bit later. Number three, everyone say number three. It's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You need to understand, but not just understand, you need to believe that it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Don't take that glory from Him. This comes to Deuteronomy where the, the people say, how good we are that we survived all this time, that we got out of Egypt, and we've been so good in the wilderness. And they took the glory. They said, we've done this. And God said, no, 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 I'm not, I don't, don't do that. I was the one. I was the one. You may do it. God may use you. But he was the one who gave you that gift. So I was a salesman, right? So I have a gift. I want to talk to people. I like people. I, that was my gift. If I worked something else, I'd be terrible at it. I worked my gift, but that gift was from God. It's not Mark Helmendorp who's great. It's not Mark Helmendorp who's wonderful. It's what God has put in me. I give the glory to God. But it also reminds us this. Remind to remember God in your financial distress. We've read before, He's our helper. Now we hear that He's the one who gives us the power to get wealth. So maybe instead of so much worrying, start to spend time praying and saying, God, what can I do? How can I get out of this situation? What, how can I move? What can, what can happen? And so I come to God and I, I use Him so kind of like a, partner, probably shouldn't say the word use God, but you understand my meaning. I partner with God to see something created in my life. Everyone say number four. Everything you have has been given to you by God. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 12. Riches and honour come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and is at your discretion that people are made great or are given strength. Mrs. Evans always used to cry out to me all the time and say, promotion comes neither from the east or from the west, but it comes from the Lord. It's been one of the principles I've lived life by. I just got to do what God's asked me to do and God will take care of the promotion part. If people are made great at the discretion of the Lord. Oh, our God, we thank You and praise Your glorious Name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to You? Everything we have has come from You. And we give only, we give You only what You've already given us. See, if you have that as a philosophy, everything that I have is given, given to me by God. It's God's. It's God's. Understand that God is the originator of all. You cannot give back to God what's already His. If I lend Neil my car and then a week later, 
He gives me the car back. He hasn't given me a car. He's given me my car back. But sometimes when we give, it's like we've given this to you, God. You should be amazed. You should be, incre- oh, you should be so thankful to me, God. Don't feel like God owes you something because you gave. It was already His. It was already His. God also has no needs, by the way. He doesn't actually need anything. So if He's asking you to give up something, it must be for your own benefit. God's like, oh man, I needed that. Oh God, I didn't know what I was going to do. Peter, it came through. I can't believe it. Right? Like God doesn't have any needs. So it must be for our benefit when He's asking us. I love this verse in Job. It shows me how arrogant it is to think I'm needed by God. And it's very humbling. Job 36 verse 6. If you sin, how does that affect God? Even if you sin again and again, what effect will it have on Him? If you are good, is this some great gift to Him? What could you possibly give Him? What can you give to God? He's given it to you and He has no need of anything. So let's have this attitude of like, what a blessing. What a blessing. It's an honouring thing to do. And number five, generosity and giving are ways to kingdom prosperity. 11.24, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but he comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. We are all called to be receivers and we're all called to be sowers. The Bible actually tells us that He gives seed to the sower. So if you're holding on to it, you're not going to get any more because you haven't used what it is. But as you give it out, life comes. So He comes in and then you're able to sow even more. That's the way of God. Withholding doesn't do anything for you. God unlocks financial freedom. God unlocks financial freedom because as I give, in a sense, I'm forced to actually trust God. See, withholding always leads to a personal bankruptcy, not a financial one, but in a, inside. There's some something of loss inside of yourself whenever you withhold. Our giving should be always to the benefit of others. See, these five foundational principles will always stand. And until you accept and believe these principles, you will never live financially free. Not just understand, but as I said, accept it. If you understand those things, you always actually be very much burdened free as well. Because what you've said is, not my problem, God. It's actually your problem. You promised me this. I've trusted you. Now you come through. And I want to say, living this way for 40 years, this is how God has blessed me. So let me give you a quickly a number of financial tips, or with a scripture. Number one, everyone say number one. Don't go looking for a cheap buck or a quick buck. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. You're not prepared to work. That's all I'll say. Right? I think the Bible's clear. God works through accumulation, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how God works. Get rich screens nine out of ten times. 
become get poor quick schemes, right? They're ripping you off. I just want to say, if get rich quick was God's way of doing things, we would all win the lottery, right? If that was God's way, He just give you the six numbers, bang, you're rich, right? It doesn't work that way. It's not how He works. We work hard and through line upon line, precept upon precept, God starts to accumulate. God starts to do things. Every now and again, He'll do something wonderful and amazing, but God's way, line upon line, preset upon preset, layer upon layer upon layer. It's like Sarah Lee. All right. Number two, the deal of the century comes along once a month. Proverbs 10, verse 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. I want to say never be pressured into making a decision. If you have to do it today, then just don't do it. Right? There's, there's something inherent in that. When someone's telling me all the things, some slick salesman tell me, do this and that, and you're going to do this, and, and rah, rah, even this week, someone told me, we don't sign up to something as a church, this week we're going to miss out. He's missed out on that contract just because he said that. I just don't like that. You're not going to push me and make me do something because it's not God's way. If I have to do something now, I never, ever do it. Don't be afraid of missing out. Fear makes bad decisions. So if you're fearing you're going to miss out, you're basing your decision based on fear when you need to make your financial decision based on God, right? That God is looking after you. You know, Jesus said about the kingdom of God, He says, like a wise man who's asked to build a wall. So what He does is He looks at what He's got. He looks at His resources. He looks at the wall that He's got to work and what He's got to make. And then from there, He decides, is He going to build the wall? And then Jesus says like this, lest you build half a wall, and people laugh at you. You become a mockery, you become a fool. So sometimes it's best to take stock, do your sums, talk to people who are smarter than you. You know, that's what I've always done all my life. I'm not that smart, but I know a lot of smart people. So I'm going to consider the wall before I buy it. No one better tell me, you better build a wall now because something's going to happen if you don't. Right? I promise you, it's not wise. Someone's always talking, 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 talking. Tell you another thing. If a salesman swears in front of me, I never buy anyway. I even is a deal of the century. Okay, you've just made a decision about me. All right, it's got nothing to do with my message, but it's just true. Number three. Ooh, get ready. Number three, debt is your enemy. I'm not looking at anyone. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. I'll say two words, credit cards. If you can't discipline yourself to pay within the interest-free period, cut up your card. Get rid of it. It is hurting you. You're paying money to use your own money. It's just not smart. So if you're using money, if you're, if you're paying interest, and so if you're in that place where it's a, you know, like, I don't know what to do. It's just so big. I, I can't, I have to use credit cards. 
then come and speak to one of our pastors and we'll put you with someone who will help you bit by bit, month by month, slowly get to a point where you're no longer under that sort of pressure, right? I'm not, I'm not telling you off. I'm, not, I'm just saying it's wise. Don't spend, if you can't control that, paying interest on a credit card is like throwing money in a bin. It's literally throwing money in a bin. Don't use afterpay. Use save first. Much better, much better. Don't use afterpay. Use save first. <laughs> Don't borrow money. This may, I, I look, just look at the sky. Don't borrow money to buy a depreciated asset like a car or a holiday. Save. Right? Save. Your car, when you drove it out, is worth less after 100 metres. Right? You drove it 100 metres, it's already lost money. Borrow money on something that appreciates. Borrow money on getting a house or buying land. Always buy land because God's not making any more. Right? It's going to go up. Right? It's going to go up in price. So buy something that's going to go up. You know, most people in the last year have made more in the uplift of their house price than they have in their wages. Right? That's a way to do it. Buy and use debt to buy something that appreciates. Save for everything else. Save for everything else. Live within your means. I'm just going to live within your means. There are people who use money they have not got to buy what they don't need to impress people they don't care about. And that's a great word at Christmas right there. The expectations of others should not be your motivation to buy. Who cares what your sister thinks? Who cares if you haven't got the latest whatever? I just upgraded from my iPhone 10 to iGrade 14 because I just it would just lose charge every day. But I'm happy to use a 10 because I can still talk on it, but it was just driving me nuts all the time, right? So check your motives in what you're buying. A great thing is, and, and I want to teach every parent this, teach your children delayed gratification. Teach them in one sense, don't eat the chocolate now, and if you don't, I'll give you two chocolates later. So teach them the ability that in delayed gratification, there's always increase. It's always better for you. You doing all right? Please, right? Number four, don't be afraid to haggle and look for the breast price. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, Good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he's gone away, oh, look what I bought. Look what I got. Haggle, haggle, haggle. You know, when Nina and I went, uh, first got married, we learned very quickly that we should not shop together. Right? That, that was not going to be good for our marriage. It's their buyer. But it's going to be, this, I don't care, just buyer. I'll pay you not to have to walk over to Woolworths across over here to see if it's cheaper. Right? Like I would just get so frustrated with her because Nina would go through literally every single catalogue. 
Right? She looks at this, she looks at that. She'll buy it then when it's costing this much. She'll, she'll fight everyone over five cents on the, on, the, on the floor because she's smart and very diligent and, and stewards her money very well. And we've got money not because of me, but because of Nina. Right? So it drives me crazy sometimes. But then I look at the bank. Oh, you, you know. Right? You know what? Nina's the smart one with money in our house. So I'd be a fool if I have to say, no, I'm the man, I have to listen. You have to listen to me. It's foolishness. Let the one who knows what they're doing look after that stuff. In every relationship, there's a spender and a saver. Can you guess which one's which in our house? I'll tell you good advice, right? Let the saver control the money and let the spender control the amount that you give in offerings. Right? And you do those two things, you always look out. That'd be good. That's a good thing. Right? Look for a bargain. There's things that you just don't need to, to have. It's just look for a bargain. All right, number five, don't back the jockey. Take control of your own investments. Proverbs 24, verse 27, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Nina and I lost $150,000. I'm going to say that $150,000, right? Because we were lazy investors. My friend had a good idea. He was a good godly man. He had integrity and he for sure didn't scam anyone. He wasn't foolish. He wasn't lazy. But when the world went through a financial crisis in 2008, He became a victim of that. And when he became a victim, we became a victim. We lost our money not because of a bad person, not because of the devil, not because of anything, but there was a financial crisis. That's why I don't put my trust in money, which is so uncertain. I've given all my life. I've been very generous all my life. I, 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 that, that's what I do. I, I'm happy to do that. But I lost $150,000. And I don't care. There's, I, I don't think there's anyone in this room who thinks that's not a big amount. Uh, if, if that's not a big amount to you, come and talk to me afterwards, right? <laughs> right? Like, that's, man, start tithing. Uh, you know, we became a victim of that. And many people got mad with him. You lost our money. And he went through horrible things because of that. But he didn't lose our money. Nina and I lost our money when I decided to give it to him to go and invest. That's what happened. I can get mad, but in the end, I decided. I did not take control and we did not take control of our, we were the lazy ones. Number six, understand that giving has to cost you something. Luke 21.1, when he looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For for all these out of their abundance have put in their offerings for God. One of the things I want to say, if you give, and and this is a a silly example, 
But if you gave and then I got that money and I went to the casino and I put that money on uh, black, right? And, 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 you know, like God's going to do with me. But your blessing is going to be the same as if I used all that money to help so many people. So you give it to God. You're not actually giving it to the church. You're giving it to God. If you're giving it to the church, you're paying. You're paying for a service. You're paying for this. You're paying for that. But we don't pay our gift. We give it to God and then we allow God to deal with it. So once it leaves your hand, God blesses you anyway, even if you were to give it to someone who was a charlatan because you're giving it unto God. So they put a God. But then it goes on. But she out of her poverty put in all her livelihood that she had. Mother Teresa said, if you haven't given with what you have given hasn't cost you anything, have you really given? So giving away your old clothes that you don't want to wear anymore, is that really giving? I want to tell you the most expensive thing I ever gave away or the most costly thing I ever gave away was something that didn't even cost me anything. And uh, as you know, I love golf. And someone gave me tour. This was many years ago. And I never had a decent golf ball. And someone gave me golf balls that a tour player would use. Right? And, and I was so happy with these. Right? These are expensive balls. I'm going to definitely play heats better because they're tour balls. <laughs> right? And, uh, and I'm sitting there and God tells me, give them to someone else. To someone I didn't even like. Right? I give it to someone I like. I give them to you, Mitch. Right? But, but, I just, but to someone I didn't even like and definitely didn't deserve them. Because this guy's an idiot, right? And God tells me, give these golf balls to him. I'm literally, I'm driving him to the airport. And I'm, no, 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 no. And he's wondering why I'm talking to him. Because I'm just going, I'm just having a heart attack. And then so I get his bags out and there are those balls. Here, hope you enjoy these. God bless you. Cost me something. Let me tell you, it cost me. On the musos to come. So if you've got one of those $100 bills, can you stand up? Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. You can keep them. Come on, let's give them a hand. So I'm going to ask some questions out of that. What do you think of the fact that I just gave away that money? Because it'll actually show you a little bit about where your heart is around money. Does that make you happy for someone? I'm happy. Or are you envious? Do you wish, I should have sat in the front row. <laughs> and you should, right? <laughs> do you think it's a bit of fun or do you think it's a waste of money? Too late, man. Too late. Are you wondering, did that person really deserve it? Or you're thinking, wow, I didn't expect that. See, when something happens with money, you actually see where your heart is. And to have a right attitude with money, then God is actually going to trust you with His real riches, which is people. We're here to touch people. Emerge Church is about people. Yes, we'll receive offerings. I hope our offerings continue just to go fantastic. But it's there to help people, to see the gospel go out so that people get the ultimate help, which is a relationship with Jesus. That's what we're here. We're here to preach the kingdom of God 
and to see the kingdom of God extended.